Welcome to the Bacash Podcast. My name is Don. And my name is Scott. And ladies and gentlemen, we are on the last two chapters, chapters 47 and 48 of Ezekiel. How long have we been doing Ezekiel? You know what? I was actually going to look it up because I was going to let you know how many I had set in the hopper. Okay. Because I feel like we've been doing it for quite a while. I think my favorite is, I think Deuteronomy and Ezekiel have been my two favorites. Those have definitely been the longest ones and the ones we spent the most time on. Right. <laughs> I feel like we've been doing, I think, Ezekiel since at least 2020. Did we, did we bring on the plague? Was that us? Was we might have. Whoops. If you type in the wrong address, you uh, don't get anything oh. except for do you want to buy this domain? Okay. Bobcash.podbean.com, not podbeam. I think it's been Beam. a while since you've like pointed people in that direct. Well, I guess they'd already have to like know if they're listening to us anyway. Right. Well, you know, um, if you get it through an app. Mm-hmm. That's why I get mine through an app. So um, You might not. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, man. Back in, uh, let's see here. I'm going to say 21. Hold on. Almost there. We, oh, 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 we're getting close. Because I feel like it was, I feel like it was during the plague that we were doing. It was during the plague, but it was uh, April 2021. So it was when we thought that this year there'll be no plague. Uh, Okay. And they're like, oh, people are still plaguing. So what were we doing then in the beginning of it? Well, I guess that would have been Hosea. No, it was Joel. Oh, uh, well, we did Joel in the winter, the first winter plague. Okay. Um, yeah, and then we're doing Hosea during a lot of it. Well, now I was trying to see how far back. Cause I thought, so were you looking at when we posted or when we recorded? Oh, that's true. It's when we posted. Okay, so maybe that's why I'm so, thinking a little bit different. Uh, yeah, I'd have to see the file. Yeah, because it looks like we were doing... I posted Hosea... Wednesday, March 18th, which I think that was the week we went on work from home. Okay. 2020. So I was probably like, well, what else am I going to do? I'll master these okay. yeah. <laughs> Jose episodes and pop them up there. So so we've yeah. well, it's been at least two or three years. Well, okay, I guess by the time all these fully get out. Yeah. Uh, we, well, I don't want to give away. Oh, yeah. No, um, no. Actually, I've, I've started getting them batch processed. Um, not automatically, so I guess it's not really a batch process. But um, when I've got like five already mastered and ready to go, uh, yeah, and I've got three more already that will auto go. I just got to load a few more, and that's at chapter thirty-three. Okay. And the next one should release this week, I think. Okay. So I've been trying to get better at it. it I have a sweet setup. I need to use it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to let you hear some potential music for judges, Ooh. by the way. Wait, wait. Uh, what are you talking about with judges? Oh, um, maybe the next book we do should be judges. Oh, really? Oh. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, listener? <laughs> Aren't you going to ask me? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we've actually, did we ever announce it yet, what, what our next book was, or uh, have we just been... <laughs> if we did, I'll have to listen back <laughs> and see how long ago. Um, so you might already know that, and then again, you might not, so... Right. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> Judges is going to be our next venture. Yes. Um, and Right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. still on board. I might have already bought the commentary, so... Not, not. I mean, I still use them anyway, but 
um, if I didn't. I mean, you know, I got that whole OT set. Oh, well, you got that <laughs> I got the whole set set. Yeah. Well, because I looked into that as what a are you potential. Talking about? It's just thin points at iPad where it's all digital now. <laughs> yeah, but the real things like yeah, I mean, I you... could see over the steering wheel in a car if I like <laughs> sat on this thing. Yeah, just, I might get a secondary one. I've been Ezekiel. I've been using two, mm-hmm. and it's been kind of nice. I but was, Ezekiel's difficult. Yes, I was using two for a while, and there's one that I would go back to. But my Chris Wright one was so good. Um, there are only a couple times where I'm just like, let me go. To this other one, you're making me uh, look up how to pronounce the guy's name again. It's Ian Doogood. 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 Sure. Doogood. <laughs> Ralph Alexander is one of mine, and Ralph. Come on. Sounds like a movie or a video. Ralph. Oh, that's the Bible. That's not the actual commentary, Don. Yeah, Ian Do Doogood. Doogood. Okay. Doogood. I'm sure everybody out there that knows who he is is like, you fool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are uh, both pretty good. Um, <clears throat> sometimes the, the Ralph Alexander one is like, what you just read is what it is. <laughs> it, it's like, no, I need a little more. So, um, But that's what you get when you get more academic commentary. Sometimes it's like they avoid going deeper into what's up. Mm-hmm. Um because they don't want you making some weird assumptions based on stuff you don't know about. Okay. But the pastoral ones, like Christopher Wright and Ian yes. McDougal, mm-hmm. do a good. Dang it. Chris, Chris <laughs> Wright just released one on Ecclesiastes and Exodus. Gosh, is he like 100 years old now? Actually, I don't think he's that old. He looks old. I mean, no disrespect. Let's see, Chris. He was one of John Stott's friends, so I guess yeah. I just always kind of considered he was probably... Older. I think it's. Oh, uh, oops, that's not it. Apparently, there is a lot of. There is a Christopher Wright that's dead, but I don't think that's him. No. Missionologist. Right? The Anglican Church. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like him. So he was born in 1947. How how does that make him? 50. 70 something? Bad. Dang, if you. 76? Are we 2023? That's math. Yeah, 2023. Yeah, 76. Okay. Dang. Well, he better get writing because he needs to finish the entire Old Testament. You know what? No, it's got to be Ian. I-A-I-N. I'm still like, it's, sorry. I'm using the NIV application commentary. It's Ian's, but I-A-I-N. And its last name is spelled D-U-G-U-I-D. Do a good. Do a good. Do good. Do good. Could be do good. My name is do good. Do we good. Do good. Yeah. So what is a missiologist? Uh, somebody who looks at missions. Um, actually, Stott, uh, I wonder if Christopher Wright had a hand in his modern missions, Christian missions in the modern world? Well, they started Langdon Partnership International together, I think, or a version of it. Uh, Langham. Uh, yeah, it? it's like Langham whatever. And then I think, I know that John Stott played a huge role in that. And even some of the commentary series he's been a part of. Right, he's does been he part of that? Yeah. I was trying to see the uh, um, I don't see him as part of it. No, he did not write that book. Anyway, uh John Stott wrote a book called Christian uh 
Christian Missions in the Modern World, and it's a really good book about um, essentially uh, how are you bringing people into the... Holy... Okay, for some reason, the paperback on Amazon of that book is $336.18. I'm pretty sure I have a copy of that from school. Uh, but the Kindle version is $18, which is still up for a Kindle book. You know, you might want to sell that other one and buy the Kindle right? book. Right? Yeah. What the heck? Um, basically, are you to have missions be from a natural place going outward, or are you trying to bring people inward is essentially what the conversation is. Okay. Um, and how do you talk to people? How do you bring people into friendship? How do you... Uh, basically make missions part of your daily life. However, Christopher Wright was not the co-author on that. So, actually, there was no co-author. There's just a forward written by Ajith Fernando. Okay. Interesting. I would have thought of him being a missionologist. They would have wrote it together. But, yeah. Well, Chris Wright also writes a great one on Deuteronomy. He writes a great one on Ezekiel, obviously. On, ooh, Daniel. Ooh, that Daniel is a good one. Um. Yeah, I'm a fan. Actually, it was a book, Old Testament. No, was it? It was knowing Jesus through the Old Testament. That was right. That got me to fall in love with the narrative of the Old Testament and how that fit together. Um, and that was the one that really got me hooked on his writings. But is he knowing me- Jesus or knowing Christ? Ah, uh, uh, let me double check. I don't remember. Um, I said, I, yeah. Because he also has one knowing the Holy Spirit through the Old Testament and also knowing the Father through the Old Testament. It's, oh, it is knowing Jesus. Is Sorry. Knowing Jesus? Okay. Yeah. Um, so that one was the one that really got me, got me excited about how the Old Testament is so applicable today. And I think he just does a great job of helping you see how the Old Testament still applies to us scripture and the new testament as an entire thing but anyway yeah enough about him yeah yeah even if you're not anglican christopher <clears throat> jh right uh john stott if you're reading incomparable christ uh obviously the cross of christ yeah uh even basic christianity which john stott is a staunch cessationist but he so lovingly explains his position you don't feel like he's talking down to you um all great books john stott shaped a lot of my early theology um, and then, and I'm not a cessationist, so, you know, um, and then Christopher J.H. Wright is his friend and we use the Deuteronomy commentary almost together, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. And then knowing Jesus through the Old Testament, I've read most of it. Um, Old Testament ethics for the people of God you read, right? Yes. Oh, no, no. So uh, Old Testament Ethics for the People of God I have started multiple times because it is a huge, gigantic book. Like, it is huge. Um, How to Preach and Teach the Old Testament. Oh, is that a new one? I know he's got... Uh, I might buy that later. Let's see. Ooh. That's Christopher J. Oh, we. this can make our podcast better. What is it? Okay, what's it called? Uh, how to preach and teach the Old Testament for uh, all it's worth. It looks like it's in the same vein of like the Gordon Fee, how to read the Bible. Uh-huh. I'd be uh, up for reading that together. Uh, yeah, I might. So we're going to be smarter uh, after we do Judges. Ooh, I'm, 
Oh he did a book called Here Are Your Gods, but actually I think that he pulls out different things from both Daniel and Ezekiel from that book and then kind of con- condenses it. Mm. And it's free on Audible. If you, I think if you're a subscriber. So I'm, I'm not, the but Testament for all I think my wife is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, we should probably right. get a word. We probably yeah. should. Sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry. That's our normal daily diatribe yeah. of stuff you don't care about, but you should. <laughs> Actually, I was last. So I started listening to Holy Post um, podcast, oh, yeah. which yeah. is really, he's kind of funny. It's but, a, I listened a lot a couple years ago, but I haven't listened lately. Yeah, I've been listening more recently lately, and uh, he 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 always starts his with uh, things about the butt, and like finds articles about butts, and I was like, you know, I respect this man, um, <laughs> just instantly, um, and it's Phil Visker, which is the guy who created Veggie Tales, Veggie Tales yep. and um, What's in the Bible, Buck Denver, and wow, I huh. My wife and I were taken to watching stand-up comedians for a while. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was Gaffigan or Bergazzi had a really funny VeggieTales take. Oh, really? And I was like, I bet you Phil would love this. Like, listening to it, because it was, like, straight out of the, like, you know, it was that borderline goofball, almost bathroom humor, but mm-hmm. it was, like, VeggieTales. Like, yeah. Oh, I can't remember which one it was. Sorry. I thought, I think he sold it, and then I think he got mad with what Netflix and people did to it, and he bought it back. He bought the rights back to VeggieTales. Um, and then mm. I think he did an episode apologizing that in a humorous VeggieTales fashion nice. um, about what happened to VeggieTales. I was like, all right. I haven't looked into the accuracy of that, but that's what I was told. Nice. So, all right. So we are in Ezekiel 47, 48. Um, the goal is for us to finish Ezekiel tonight and start um, Judges tomorrow. And when I say tomorrow, that's whenever you listen to it. Um, <laughs> so being uh, parents and husbands and um, busy and, you know, um, stuff, we don't get the joy of being able to, to podcast every week or every day or anything. So um, you, yeah, so whenever you listen to it, that's that's when we wrote it or wrote it, created yeah. it, spoke it. Yep. Yeah. Hit it. Recorded it. Yep. That sounds right. All right. So with that, um, we have had a lot of restoration. Um, we have had restoration um, when it comes to um, worship has been reinstated. Um, Yahweh is back in the temple. Um, the land um, has been resettled. Um, now we're going to, well, actually, now they're going to have to resettle the land. Um, they're going to have to cleanse the land. And we will then see a full restoration of, of God, his people, the relationship that God and them had. And really what we're going to see here is, is that um, resettling of the land, um, the reallotting of the land and the cleansing of the land. And we're going to see, uh, I guess I don't want to give it all away, um, but God and his people will be fully restored um, the way that he intended. So with that, um, I will start reading Ezekiel chapter 47. I'll be reading from the ESV and I will start reading through verse 12. Yeah, yeah that's a good spot. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and behold, water was issuing 
from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east, and behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many or the river, very many trees on the one side and on the other side. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea, um, from the Engedi to the Engalim. Yep. <laughs> it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be very of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. All right. Yeah. The, I has always seen the Wadi Araba from uh, Dan Dyke, Professor Dyke. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Wadi Araba basically oh. is a river. It's a stem of the Jordan River that was kind of bleh. <laughs> Testament history? Yep. Mm-hmm. The uh, Jordan River was the beautiful, pristine, wonderful river that flowed, didn't have bacteria problems, etc. The Araba was like a little branch off of it that was like desolate, didn't flow well, would be diseased, could make you sick, stagnant water, yeah. salty, etc. So I just, whenever I hear that, I just go back to college. <laughs> the like, Wadi Araba. Because uh, Wadi means river. Like the Wadi Yarden would be a, the river Jordan. Okay. So, yep. History yeah. lesson by yeah. Dan Dyke. I mean, um, Don Dudley. Man, I wish I was that smart. I know. I wish I was. I know. And he was. I had goals to be that smart. It never happened. <laughs> and he was smart and humble. Like yeah. he was not even like a, a. I mean, he, like Paul, could have have every right to be like, guess what I know. So, and he was just chill. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Scott and I both attended Cincinnati Christian University slash Cincinnati Bible College, depending mm-hmm. on when you went there, what it was called. And Professor Dan Dyke was beloved by everybody except for other staff members, mm-hmm. um, outside of Mark Zeese and Dr. Fudge. Yeah, <laughs> who were probably the other smarter people there. Yeah, and a few others. But yeah, yeah, there's some uppers that didn't really care for him too much. And they forced him into retirement about a year before the whole college closed down, oh. um, making my bachelor's degree interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. I kind of got my master's just because I wanted a legitimate school to still <laughs> own my educational history. Um, but he was a great professor that taught us, I think, both a lot 
about the Old Testament and kind of sparked some of that love for it. Yeah. Uh, it was really all his fault. Yeah. But he is a hundred times smarter than the two of us combined. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we we cannot touch the hem of his garment. No. <laughs> like, he would, he knew every language that you would need to know to study anything related to the Bible. I, I remember Dr. Fudge was like, oh, yeah, for my uh, doctorate dissertation, they just put me in a room full of uh, pots and I had to decode the language on them. I'm like, what? That was your that was your doctorate. You like went and interpreted a bunch of pottery shards and what they said. Dang. Like mine, I had to write about business. Like <laughs> I mine was not as cool. Don't have a doctorate, but my master's. No, no, my master's was, not my doctorate. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was talking about my uh, capstone. Yeah, my master's capstone was oh technology in the classroom. Mine was leadership case studies based on remote employees. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> and I had to present online. And I had to video myself presenting, and then I had to present again in a Zoom call. Okay. Because uh, this is during COVID. Oh, so mine was before they had internet. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't have Zoom and stuff. It was like, it was a phone call ah. with a whole bunch of people. And then I gave them the slide and walk them through the slides that I had created, and they already had the paper. Nice. I'd already looked through the paper, and basically I had to present to them. I just remember the literature review. Yeah, you have to have at least 30 sources. Oh, I know. Whatever. Anyway, anyway back to yeah, uh, yeah. something more fun than uh, master's degree stuff. Unless it was Bible master's, then it'd be cool. Okay. Um, yeah, okay, so uh, the temple, we've been going through a few chapters of... Uh, basically this vision of the temple that God is bringing to Ezekiel. And then we come back to like basically this vision. Um, this is not something that was built that Ezekiel was walking through. So just in case we weren't clear on that, um, this is a, a vision written in the apocalyptic genre. So you hear the word apocalypse, you think end of the world, scary uh, zombies or whatever. But apocalyptic is actually a method of writing that's almost like a... It's like a cryptic poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say poetry because I don't want you thinking like iambic pentameter or rhyme, but there are definitely like some more poetic elements and a lot of exaggerations and visions. Because apocalyptic is more like revelation, isn't it? It's like revelation the, is like a hundred percent apocalyptic. Right, but it's like a, a revelation is. Let's see. Um, oh, I think I think I thought I had somewhere in here. So apocalypse unveiling to disclose. Um, so you've got like an unveiling of sort. Right. That's the, that's a hallmark of it, but it's usually written in a uh, code, for lack of a better word, because yeah. I also don't want to get the you know people humming on the codes. Yeah. Um, but the code would have been most likely understandable by the target audience that was receiving it, mm-hmm. um, even though there's, uh, you know, 2,000 years of separation or more today that makes it hard for us to understand, it would have been almost 100% understandable by the person who got it. Um, What we do to it today is we butcher it and make it prophetic and weird and stuff. So example of uh, another apocalyptic that you might be more familiar with is from Revelation 22, which kind of talks about a different river. Um, And it would say, uh, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. 
Uh, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That's another example of apocalyptic literature out of Revelation. Mm-hmm. You also see it in Daniel. Oh gosh, a couple other prophets hit it, but not as hard. Yeah. And it just escapes me who right now. Um, so, yeah, don't. The biggest ones when we think apocalyptic literature, those are the bigger ones that we. Are yeah. the most common that people are like, okay, this is apocalyptic, apocalyptic literature. Fun words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ezekiel's obviously got some, Daniel, and then um, Revelation is all apocalyptic. Uh, Leon Morris uh, writes a great book called Apocalyptic, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like 50 pages. Oh, wow. It's barely worth the $10 you'll pay for it. Uh, actually, it's worth 100 bucks. But you'll get any bike. I paid for this. Um, it's basically all about the genre and some of the ins and outs of it, and then some good examples. It's a great little book. Okay. Um, I might still have it. That's another one I might still have. I have a sh- shelves full of books that aren't digital yet. I've got mostly digital. So, but yeah, Leon Morris, uh, one of the foremost authorities on apocalyptic literature, uh, Old Testament especially. Okay. Good dude. Um, okay, yeah, so we have this vision. Um, of this river coming out from the temple and as the farther the river is getting from the temple like the deeper it's getting like he starts out, like, it was like it was like it's like a pool and what that's like a generous term because mm-hmm. um, it's like a kiddie pool and it's like up to my ankles <laughs> and then it's like it's up to my waist it, yeah it's just like getting deeper and as it goes it's like spreading life through lifeless places yeah. and and they, they would have known this uh, this idea of like a, a living water that sort of thing um, we see where Yahweh is is in a temple and we see where even the temple can't contain him you, you see aspects of God's presence being fl- being flown out from the the throne or from the Holy of Holies I think is where it's here and then the throne in Revelation um, and you see where this water is bringing things back to life. It's it's cleansing. It's um, cleansing the land. Um, the, the land would have probably been seen as cursed. Where if the people are choosing to, um, is it Leviticus, where you see the blessings and the cursings of the land. Uh, anyway, so Deuteronomy, the, huh? Definitely Deuteronomy. Definitely Deuteronomy. I think you'd hear that. In, so anyway, the land would have been... Well, yeah, been, Leviticus, because Deuteronomy rephrases a bunch. So yeah. So the land would have been cursed um, because the people were disobedient. Um, the, the people were um, going against what God wanted. His divine judgment would have come against the people and the land. Um, so that's why you need to see a cleansing of the land um, just as much as you need to see a cleansing of, of the people um, if you're going to see a full restoration of God. Um <laughs> I think uh, there's some some uh, Genesis imagery here from Eden. Um, so you you see see the river um, that was first uh, focused in, in Genesis two um, for him to end, uh, and the imagery of of a river um, kind of makes sense. Um, if you're going New Testament, being Jesus. Um, many times when he would reference maybe this idea of um, of living water or um, some people say what is it for in John I think it was um, 
when he was in the tabernacle teaching, um, there's that aspect of, I think he talks about living water. Um, and he would have really, this would have been brought back to this imagery of Ezekiel. So he would have been claiming in a sense to, to be God, to, to have that, that, that healing presence that would have been seen in that living water. If you think through the different interactions and he talks about living water throughout the New Testament um, and some of the people he talked about, those that would have known scripture um, and would have known Ezekiel and the prophets probably would have seen that be taken back to this imagery found in Ezekiel. So you, you really see this aspect of, of, of living water, of, of God not being able to be contained within a temple um, where he is flowing out, bringing life to everything around him. And it's actually kind of a beautiful picture of restoration if you kind of think through um, where the people had been throughout Ezekiel, the judgment that was brought, the restoration he's bringing with all his pe- with all the people. He's now back in the temple. The temple can't even hold him. His presence and then this living water is restoring the land and restoring the people. And then you see... Jesus come provide this living water, provide restoration as well. And, and we see it even in Revelation um, and, and that final city. It's kind of a beautiful picture of, of God's presence, his, his restoration, um, how it is that he heals the land and the people all together. So um, it, it's kind of fun. If you, if you get a chance, maybe look in uh, to some of the living water statements within the New Testament. Um, look at Genesis 2. Look at Revelation 22, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and um, go back to Ezekiel 47 and, and really just kind of pray and see what God reveals to you through that. But, it, but it's kind of fun to see all those references and, and how they fit it together. Um, so, yes. Yeah, Ian, uh, you're talking about like some of the creation stuff. And I was trying to find, I, anyone who's ever used an iPad knows if you touch the top of it, it scrolls to the top. Um, so I accidentally scrolled to the top and I'm trying to get back to the note. Um, he talks about how the water is going to go and transform everything. It's going to like, uh, essentially the fresh water is going to invade the sea and get rid of its saltiness. Um, he states in ancient Near East mythology, the sea was one of the chief enemies of the gods whose defeat was necessary before the cosmic order could be established. The same imagery is present in the Psalms, especially in the enthronement, enthronement Psalms, where the sea's chaos is subjugated by the Lord. In Ezekiel's vision, the static categories of the old symbolism have been transformed into a dynamic motion. The sea now becomes a source of life-giving of a life-giving river that flows out of the temple, another idea with extensive roots in the Bible. Um, what you're seeing is kind of uh, the subjugation of things that old, te- it's another one of those, like the Old Testament uh, false gods would have to do X, Y, or Z because their power was limited until X, Y, or Z could happen. Where this God is just like, once again, no, I got this. Watch me subjugate the sea. Watch me like turn the death into life. Like I don't need to defeat it because I've already won and I already control it. And it all all exists through me and is like, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> it exists through me and it's like exists because of me and it exists for me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to defeat anything because it will do what I tell it. Yeah. I thought that was, yeah. No. Yeah. Kind of what you're saying, some of it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's just cool to see where God cannot be held in the temple. 
um, even if they think that they can, his presence still flows out from um, from the temple and can bring life-giving power. Um, and I guess to the exiles, um, they would have seen this as a reversal of the curse, um, an opportunity for their land and the people to be restored. Um, so they might not have seen the Messiah or Jesus in this necessarily at the time, um, but it definitely would have been exciting to see that they see hope for the future and the restoration of their people and of their land. Um, and they would have seen that God is actually the fulfillment um, and the source of their, their, their healing and their mm-hmm. restoration. Um, again, for us that believe in Jesus Messiah, um, we actually see it from a different perspective. Um, we see it, um, it kind of anticipates a new creation, um, but, uh, but at least a restoring of our own hearts and a restoring of our, our own relationship with God. Um, yeah. Did you, uh, did you dig into verse 11 at all? Verse 11. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh there to be left for salt? I did not, no. Uh, I, I did because I was like, oh, maybe the marshes represent something. But uh, both of my commentaries basically state that salt was a valuable commodity. And by leaving the salt behind, God is still providing in other ways as well. So he's making everything alive, but he's not removing another valuable commodity to make it happen. Interesting. Like So there's like a full picture of provision there. Totally, and I totally like passed over that verse, and like it didn't even. I'm like, I'm cynical. I'm like, oh, this is out of the ordinary. What does this mean? Or, okay. Does marsh represent like the places that God won't redeem? Because mm-hmm. I'm a sinner. But in reality, it shows that like He redeems all things and puts them in their proper perspective and place. I'm like, oh, I'm a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was just excited. I was like, oh, like we we read through all of Ezekiel. It's so depressing. And the thing is, yeah. is like I'm not any better than these people. Like I deserve the judgment and wrath just as much. And I, I think since 33, like it's been uh, other than, I guess, you know, like, you know, God tearing up the rest of the, uh, the other countries that deserve it as well. But yeah. like, it's been a, re- it's been so, it's fun to see that restoration. Like mm-hmm. God is restoring his people and, and he starts out with our heart. Like he starts out being our shepherd. He, he then gets to our own hearts and he, he addresses the land, some of that in 36 as mm-hmm. well. And, and then he like restores God's people. Like he brings the dry bones and, and then he's like rebuilding the temple that, that restoration of our ability to come before him and worship. And, and, and now we have like, the last and final piece of the land being restored and it's like the living water and just i I guess i got excited where i saw pieces of that revealed in when Mm -hmm. jesus's teachings and i'm like oh Uh, you're so much more optimistic than me (laughs) like it's just refreshing to go god is a god who honors his promises and like they totally got it in part back then but Mm -hmm. we can now look back and get it in its fullness and then we're still not done because although Jesus right. provides that living water and that restoration and that wholeness, we get that full restoration and revelation when bye-bye Satan, yeah. um, or in the words of KB, not today Satan, and he oh, goes and, back. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we get the opportunity of living in a city where, well, I won't spoil how Ezekiel ends, but... I think that ends Revelation just as mm-hmm. as easily. 
So I don't know. I guess I got excited, and so I totally passed over. I was like, hey, no, the, no, Dead, no. the Dead Sea doesn't even have any salt in it. No, I yeah, sucker. Totally no way. <laughs> didn't realize there was still salt. I feel salty. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, that's all I got. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good. Um, it's a great picture. It's a beautiful uh, coming to fruition of a lot of things. I did think it was interesting the uh, uh, fruit trees, like the actual uh, Hebrew there is actually food trees. Really? It's, uh, it's okay. a little thing, but it's kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're food. Yeah, these trees are made for food. You, you know, it's not like there, there's no mistaking that the apple is to eat, that the plum is to pick and eat, the fig is to eat. You know, it's just that's kind of cool. And I guess you see some of that 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 provision in yeah in that yeah, along tons. with that salt yeah. piece. Yeah. Yep. All right, division of the land. This one gets a little bit more complicated ish. Yeah. Um, and we'll. Sorry in advance. So, <laughs> I am going. Do I? Do we want to break this off into small? S- I honestly have like almost zero notes. Okay. So, because it was very much like, basically, you're, uh, I guess, kind of a precursor. We're going to divide the land from the north to the south uh, amongst uh, the people. Mm-hmm. It, now, so what I suggest is if you are not driving, <laughs> um, look at this, and if you are driving, don't look at this. Wait, hold on. If you are driving, don't look at this. If you aren't driving, look at this. Um, but basically, type in um, Ezekiel map um, of um, I, Ezekiel I, forty-seven. Another good term is Ezekiel revision of Israel. Okay, that's another good. I think. Um, and I think as you read through, um, being able to visually go ahead, or yeah, land allotment and Ezekiel, yeah. some something like that. Um, but Ezekiel 47 and 48. And I think as you read through, um, at least for me, having that visual um, really helped me understand how God was setting up um, the land. Um, yep. So I'm going to read then 47, 13 through 48, 14. I think that's all the land allotment. Yeah. Unless. I think so. Yeah, I go for it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, tell me if I should stop early. All right. Thus says the Lord God, this is the boundary by which you shall divide the land for inheritance among the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph shall have two portions and you shall divide equally what I swore to give to your fathers. This land shall fall to you as your inheritance. This shall be the boundary of the land on the north side from the great sea by the way of Hethlon to Libo Hamath and on to Zedad, um, <laughs> Barothoth, Sibraim, which lies on the border You're of... You're doing great. <laughs> so go to your Bible app and tell them to read this. Um, between Damascus and Hamath, as far as Hezer Hadakon, which is on the border of Hararon. Um, once again, go to your Bible app. Um, so the boundary shall... Well, so make fun of me, then go to your Bible app. Yeah, there you go. Then make fun of me again. So the boundary shall run from the sea to the Hazarar and Anar, um, which is on the northern border of Damascus, with the border of Hamath uh, to the north. This shall be the north side. <clears throat> on the east side, the boundary shall run between Haran and Damascus, along the Jordan between Gilead and the land of Israel, to the eastern sea and as far as Tamar, this shall be the east side. On the south side, it shall run from Tamar as far as the waters of Meribah, Kadesh. From there along the brook of Egypt to the great sea, this shall be the south side. On the west side, the great sea shall be the boundary to a point opposite Lebo Hamath. 
this shall be the west side. So you shall divide this land. So really quick, Great Sea, Mediterranean Sea. So when you look at that picture of the maps of like where present day Israel, Palestine and all that is, basically he's saying like your boundaries ending at the Mediterranean Sea. So that whole west side bank is, sorry. Because Great Sea is not something we say today. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. It wasn't you. It was like me trying to clarify. Oh, yeah. So go on. Um, 21. So you (laughs) shall divide this land among you according to the tribes of Israel. You shall allot it as an inheritance for yourselves, for the sojourners who reside among you and have had children among you. They shall be to you as native-born children of Israel. With you they shall be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. In whatever tribe the sojourner resides, there you shall assign him his inheritance, declares the Lord God. These are the names of the tribes. Uh, So chapter 48. One, these are the names of the tribes beginning at the northern extreme beside the way of Hethlon, Talibo, Hamath, as far as Hazar Anan, which is on the northern border of Damascus over against Hamath, and extending from the east side to the west. Dan, one portion, adjourning the territory of Dan from the east side to the west, Asher, one portion, adjourning, adjoining the territory of Asher from the east side to the west, Naphtali, one portion, adjoining the territory of Naphtali from the east side to the west, Manasseh, one portion, adjoining the territory of Manasseh from the east side to the west, Ephraim, one portion, adjoining territory of Ephraim from the east side to the west, Reuben, one portion, adjoining the territory of Reuben from the east side to the west, Judah, one portion, adjoining the territory of Judah from the east side to the west shall be one portion which you shall set apart 25,000 cubits in breadth and in length equal to one of the tribal portions from the east side to the west with the sanctuary in the midst of it. The portion that you shall set apart for the Lord shall be 25,000 cubits in length and 20,000 in breadth. These shall be the allotments of the holy portion. The priests shall have an allotment measuring 25,000 cubits on the northern side, 10,000 cubits in breadth on the western side, 10,000 in the breadth of the eastern side, and 25,000 in length on the southern side with the sanctuary of the Lord in the midst of it. This shall be for the consecrated priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept my charge, who did not go astray when the people of Israel went astray as the Levites did. And it shall belong to them as a special portion from the holy portion of the land, a most holy place adjoining the territory of the Levites, and alongside the territory of the priests, the Levites shall have an allotment of 25,000 cubits in length and 10,000 in breadth. The whole length shall be 25,000 cubits and the breadth of 20,000. 20, they shall not sell or exchange any of it. They shall not alienate this choice portion of the land, for it is holy to the Lord. The... Should I just keep going? Yeah, sure. Um, verse 15. The remainder, 5,000 cubits in breadth and 25,000 in length, shall be for common use of the city, for the dwellings and for open country. In the midst of it shall be the city, and these shall be its measurements. The north side, 4,500 cubits, and the south side, 4,500, and the east side, 4,500, and the west side, 4,500. And the city shall have open land. On the north, 250 cubits. On the south, 250. And on the east, 250. On the west, 250. The remainder of the length alongside the holy portion shall be 10,000 cubits of the east and 10,000 of the west, and it shall be alongside the holy portion. Its produce shall be food for the workers of the city, and the workers of the city from all the tribes of Israel shall till it. 
shall till it. The whole portion that you shall set apart shall be 25,000 cubits square and is the holy portion together with the property of the city. What remains on the both sides of the holy portion and of the property of the city shall belong to the prince extending from the 25,000 cubits of the holy portion to the east border and westward from the 25,000 cubits to the west border parallel to the tribal portions. It shall belong to the prince. The holy portion with the sanctuary of the temple shall be in the midst. It shall be separate from the property of the Levites and the property of the city which are in the midst of that which belongs to the prince. The portion of the prince shall lie between the territory of Judah and the territory of Benjamin. And for the rest of the tribes from the east side to the west, Benjamin one portion adjoining the territory of Benjamin from the east side to the west, Simeon one portion adjoining the territory of Simeon from the east side to the west, Ishikar one portion adjoining the territory of Ishikar from the east side to the west, Zebulun one portion adjoining the territory of Zebulun from the east side to the west, Gad one portion and adjoining the territory of Gad to the south, the boundary shall run from Tamar to the waters of Meribah Kadesh, from there along the brook of Egypt to the great sea. This is the land that you shall allot as an inheritance among the tribes of Israel, and these are their portions, declares the Lord God. <sighs> Breath now, drink. So while you drink, I'll just give a couple of things to give you a break. Um, what you'll notice here is there's a uh, change from the way the land was divided up prior. Uh, one of the big things is Judah and Benjamin swap roles between the north and south. Um, and there's a sacred dividing line between them. So if you're looking at a map, um, I think it's Dan up at the top. Uh, let me scroll back up. Yeah, the going from north to south, you get like the allotments start with the different tribes. Dan, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Ephraim, Reuben. Then we get to Judah and then the sacred area. And then Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin used to be Israel. Judah is obviously Judah. And through much of the Old Testament, the north and south were at war with each other. However, they used to be flipped. So Judah used to be south of Israel or Benjamin and vice versa. Makes sense? Uh, in this vision, we are getting a reordering. And we're also getting a inclusiveness for outsiders. Uh, kind of... Not for the first time, if you've read the Old Testament, but like kind of an emphasis saying like, hey, there's an inheritance here. And this inheritance comes with a promise backed by the, our divine landlord, God, Yahweh. Which is what changes, because although you are supposed to allow sojourners and, and stuff and aliens inside of the community, mm -hmm. they did not have an inheritance. So right. this is the first time that we actually see um, an inheritance um, being a part of for the a alien. command and yeah. and a dividing in the inheritance, so you mm -hmm. drastically, although there isn't a but, huge change in treatment, them being able to have a part of the land and part of the inheritance is kind yeah. of a big deal. And the the other drastic difference is a place set aside for priests. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're seeing just kind of a different look as to what this fulfillment is going to be, and we see a more lack of a better term, a more complete look at fulfillment uh, with this vision. So it's hard to read that, mm -hmm. like to go through all that and go back and forth. But it does actually serve an interesting purpose if you take a deep look at it. And to be honest, it's a look I probably would not have taken had I not had a commentary to look at. Mm -hmm. I would have been skimming like, yeah, cool, they all get land. See you later. Check, please. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and historically, this is impossible to happen. Mm. Um, it is not meant to be a, a fully 100% um, this is how the land is going to be set up. Like it was meant to be um, symbolic, um, mm. spiritually symbolic, just like you saw the, the re-imaging of the temple. Like it is supposed to be a, a restoration of, of unity with God's people. Yeah. Um, and um, I think I read it's a, it's the beginning of the of a of a rest or of a oh, what's the word? Yeah, sorry, go on. I'll yeah. shut up. So <laughs> the northern kingdom had already been gone and scattered for what hundreds of years, probably at this point. Getting there. Okay. Right. I think so. Yeah, I think getting there. They had been for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, they, hadn't, they hadn't really been around. They, they'd already been scattered. Um, so it's more of a theological representation of um, the unity of God's people um, being able to come back together, um, unified together and, and with, with God in full relationship and restoration of the land. Um, how they divided it really makes sense from a perspective of equality where like everyone has their equal Mm -hmm. piece of the land according to the size of their tribes and and that sort of thing so it's supposed to be um really an equality aspect of all these tribes are finally together equal amongst each other um and being able to to live um well, together with God, you you see security. They've got their land back. Um, they've got God's protection. Um, you see the inclusiveness when it comes to the aliens um, that that are, are finally able to be a part of it. In fact, actually, if you go back to to take some of Paul's words, um, what is it? I think it's Ephesians two nineteen through twenty two. Um, he talks about the idea of. Um, Gentiles no longer being foreign, foreigners and aliens, mm-hmm. but being fellow citizens. Um, so we see aspects of how this is going to fit into New Testament Israel um, as Gentiles are now being able to be part of the, the family of God. Um, in relationship, you see God being the center um, of everything that they're doing within the land, um, with the temple, with with how the, this the, this land is set up. Um, so you really see a lot going on, which as Don was saying, like just reading through it, I would have been like, oh my gosh, this is yeah. boring. Like um, very repetitive. But if you really look into to the heart of what's going on, context of what we already talked about with with Ezekiel and then we look at Jesus just being freaking awesome and and helping us to see how this has become a reality it's really kind of fun to it might not be as fun to read through it but to understand it yeah <laughs> um definitely is, is definitely it's fun to be able to see how God is pretty sovereign and in, in his writings and, and how he communicates and if you look at it again, it was like you're entering into that divine mm-hmm. rest or also that divine inheritance. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing to point out is that starting a few chapters back, God clears the land for them. God brings life back to the land. If you remember, he was going to clear it so thoroughly that they would be basically like cleaning up after the mess. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Um, they're not coming in as Israel the strong. They're not coming in mighty and overpowering. They're coming in and receiving their inheritance. Um, and 
uh, Ian Duguid once again says, when we are told that the meek shall inherit the earth, um, we also need to look at Psalm 37, 11 that says the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, that's the echo between the Psalm and what Jesus is saying. And this is, an, once again, another echo. Actually, this is probably the original shout. Um, is that you're going to come in and you're going to enjoy this peace. The land's going to be divvied up. It's going to be inclusive for all that are God's people. Um, there's going to be, you know, a space where God dwells among his people and it's remembered and so on and so forth. Everything's going to be put back to its order. There's going to be food trees mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's going to be commodities that you need. And you're not going to be going in there like a great army or a great nation as is was true in the past. Even in, in the... Uh, original coming to the promised land. It was taken over by military mights with Israel, um, who also lost it by military might. Um, in this case, it's coming in through God's hand and God's might. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to sit back and enjoy the inheritance. Yeah. Yep. They don't, it's so, an, like, such an analogy to us where we can't save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to make God love us. I mean, you've heard all these cliches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all these Christian knees things. You can't do any of that stuff because God's already done it for you. He's already won that battle for mm-hmm. you. Um, and all we can do is rest in that inheritance that we have. And then like the Israelites are supposed to do, we're supposed to invite others into that inheritance. Yep. But once again, we don't have anything to do with that. It's all the Holy Spirit working through us. Yep. So I rest my case, Your Honor. Yeah. <laughs> because all the court, all, all, yeah. the, all the court scenes in here, <laughs> yeah. um, all the trials, mm-hmm. um, God sets his gavel down and says, hey, guess what? I'm the judge and I'm giving you all this. Yeah. You don't deserve it, but I, I'm doing it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's Ezekiel. Yeah. And, and the great part is we get, oh, well, we're not done that. We got a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, got ahead of myself, Brian. <laughs> Chapter 48, verse 30 through 35. These shall be the exits of the city on the north side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates of uh, the gate of Reuben, the gates of Judah, and the gate of Levi, the gates of the city being named after the tribes of Israel. On the east side, which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates, um, the gate of Joseph, the gate of Benjamin, and the gate of Dan. On the south side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates, the gate of Simeon, the gate of Ishakar, the gate of Zebulun. Um, on the west side, which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates, the, the gate of Gad, the gate of Asher, and the gate of Naphtali. The circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits. Um, and so we now see all of these gates being um, representing the, the, the 12 tribes, um, all of God's people. And my favorite part um, is the, the last part of verse 35. And the name of the city from that time on shall be the Lord is there. Like he didn't Yahweh rename Shema. it. <laughs> what is it? Yahweh Shema. Yahweh Shema. I got to remember that. Yahweh Shema. And so we don't see them renaming it the New Jerusalem or the New City. Um, we see them renaming the city. The Lord is there. You, you, I feel like that is an amazing way to end a book of how they were separated from God. Um, he restores all of them. And it ends with the Lord is there. Like God leaves. He comes back. And the relationship and the fullness of that relationship between God and, and his people are fully restored. And it's like, oh, 
that's a freaking cool way to yeah. end a book. Restored and never to be separated again. Yeah. So. I mean, how cool of a way is that to end a book? Like. Right. Uh, it, it was funny because before this, I was complaining there was no Big Bang ending. Yeah. But in a way, it's a little bit bigger once yeah. you go through it and your friend reminds you publicly on a podcast yeah. that you're an idiot. Thanks, oh, no, I, I didn't. No, I'm just kidding. I would have said you're an idiot. No. <laughs> uh, thank, thanks, man. Um, it's cool. It's cool. So I, I think it's a cool concluding message um, where you've got the 12 tribes, you've got God the center, and he is, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if I say anything else, I'll just end it with the Lord is there. That's, yeah. I think that's a great ending. Well, guys, next time we see you, we're going to go into the dark, scary, tragic book of Judges. But remember, the Lord is there. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.